Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Jeffrey Donis from Donis Investment Group. Welcome, Jeffrey. Hey, Rama. Thank you for having me. Sure. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Little bit about Jeffrey. Jeffrey, real estate investor and syndicator. As former single family investors, the Donis brothers built a portfolio of cash flowing rentals and a six figure businesses. Their goal is to empower others to achieve their financial goals through apartment investing. The Donis brothers' passion for helping people began at an early age and has bonded them as brothers and business partners. The Donis brothers are also the hosts of the Real Estate Monopoly podcast, a show where they interview investors who are dominating the real estate industry. So with that, Jeffrey, you want to add anything to your background? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, it's an awesome introduction. And we've now... Uh, we, we did have some experience in the single family space, as you mentioned. Um, we've also now been a part of multiple different apartment syndication deals. Um, and by the end of the year, we're just looking to continue buying more properties and hopefully we'll be a part of a little over a thousand units um, under management. So very excited for this year and very excited to talk to you today. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much. So how did you get into real estate and single families and multifamilies? Yeah. So a single family, um, I appreciate you asking. We all got started when we were in college. Uh, we initially wanted to just kind of go to school. And I would say this is more of a traditional route uh, that we were on, was to go to school, get a degree, and then find a, a high paying job if possible. Um, but really that was our mindset. We didn't understand there was other avenues that we could go, go on until we learned about uh, single family real estate through YouTube specifically something called wholesaling. Uh, we learned what wholesaling was and just kept listening to podcasts and YouTube videos. Um, and then we went on a trip to Guatemala for the first time with my mom. Um, and it was there that we realized that we had an opportunity in the United States that my family in Guatemala don't have, which is the opportunity to connect with the people that we have the ability to connect with um, the ability to start a business and actually have the resources to build it um, pretty much starting from nothing. So when we got back from that trip, we just started uh, doing a lot of research and then eventually taking action. So we started cold calling eventually um, fast forward after we started getting some traction, we uh, did about 15 wholesale deals, um, got into some creative finance deals as well, where we, built a, a, just a small portfolio it was two single family properties on seller financing um, one of them was a subject two as well and then um, we, we do had one random fix and flip throughout that 15 month period uh, but after that 15 month period uh, we kept kept on educating ourselves and that's something that we still do today um, and we heard about multifamily and we kept hearing people say they wish they would have gone bigger sooner so we thought, why don't we, you know, jump into what we want to end up in? Because we wanted to do multifamily in the long term, in the long run at the end, but we didn't understand why we weren't doing it now. Obviously, the limiting beliefs that come to mind were um, 
not having enough money, not having enough experience, not having enough education, not having the network, which are all probably true, to be honest. And I think that held, that holds most people back from a lot of different things, not just jumping into commercial real estate. But for us, that was all of the main things. And we realized there were limiting beliefs. So as soon as we kind of identified those and became aware of them, we decided to overcome them and eventually ended up joining a group, a mastermind group called Think Multifamily that really opened the doors for us. And now we've been able to be sponsors and general partners on on multiple different deals in the Southeast. Awesome. And uh, would you share any best practices or uh, any, any things you learned from wholesaling lot of deals, single family deals? Yeah, um, I would say uh, one, I mean, the, the skill that we learned that was the most beneficial and helpful was being able to overcome the fear of rejection, which is something that I think anyone uh, in life period, it's a great skill to have, especially if you're trying to build a business and then run your business successfully, because uh, there's so many different ways that you're going to have to face the, the possibility of being rejected. For us, it was cold calling. So we were cold calling people from 9 to 8 p.m. Um, all, all day for like six months. And it took a lot of a lot of calls, a lot of no's, a lot of being cursed at and stuff like that. And it wasn't fun, but we got so good at uh, kind of just doing what was so uncomfortable that all the other things and all the other activities that we had to do in the business were so much easier than cold calling that it felt um, it just felt like very easy to do based on our experience with the cold calling. So I'd say that was one of the biggest uh, learning lessons was learning how to take the fear of rejection and um, now apply that skill set into all of your other parts of your business. Another thing I would say is we started investing in our education very early on. So eventually we decided to, all my brothers and I decided to leave school so that we could pursue our business endeavors full-time, uh, specifically our real estate business. And that necessarily, that, that, did, that did stop our traditional education, but we then went and started investing in our entrepreneurial edu- education, specifically our real estate education. So we started going to conferences. We started joining different mastermind groups where we would get courses and access to mentors and access to different uh, ne- a network of different people that have more experience than us. Uh, and we kept doing that. And we've done that multiple times. And that's really one of the biggest things I can recommend, in my opinion, if you're new, um, if you're just getting started and you're not necessarily looking to fail all by yourself, in my opinion, you don't have to do all these, you don't have to fail all completely by yourself because there's people that have been in your shoes before. It's all about finding that person that aligns with your goals and your values. That is where you want to be. So that way you can kind of just learn from their mistakes. So you don't have to make them on your own. Great. Awesome. Thank you very much. And you, you're partnering with your brothers. So share me that story. How exactly that, that formed? That yeah. Story. Yeah. Um, so we um, obviously, my brothers and I grew up. So I have a twin brother um, who's my age. And then I have an older brother who's three years older than me. Um, and growing up, we were relatively close. I was close with my older brother a lot. I was more close to my, uh, I guess, older brother than my twin brother. Um, for different reasons, but eventually we all went to school, as I mentioned, and then we went to Guatemala and we we always wanted to retire our mom. Like that's been the big why for us. 
uh, as soon as we, I mean, we're in college, we understood that we didn't want her working. We just didn't understand how we could do that. Um, and then looking at how much people from school graduate and make, I mean, yeah, you can make like six figures out of college if you're lucky, but uh, at the end of the day, to be able to retire someone and to replace someone's income, that's an additional, like for us, we want to make sure she's living well. So we all had that uh, synergy, the same why, and the same, I guess, motivating and burning desire to retire our mother. So we went into business with that in mind. And um, we all understood that, like, as soon as we found wholesaling, that was something that made sense for us. Real estate, uh, we were reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Thinking Grow Rich. Uh, and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, in that book, it talks about real estate being uh, one of the best vehicles to build wealth in America for any any person or individual. So that's when we all agreed, because we all read that book, we agreed that real estate was the vehicle that we were going to use to not only to retire my mom, but achieve financial freedom for ourselves and for others. Uh, so eventually, uh, with that combined why, we all just started taking action together. We started working together. Uh, and it's really been a blessing and it's gone very well, in my opinion. Um, we have a great relationship. We're friends and business partners, um, best friends, to be honest. We spend a lot of time together. Uh, and it's awesome to be able to work with people that you have such a good relationship with because you're able to say things um, and then they don't take it personally uh, versus if you have like an associate, there's certain things you just can't say. Um, and I think that can kind of, it, it just, it's a challenge we don't have to overcome because I can say whatever I want to my brothers. Obviously, I'm not going to try to be like a complete uh, mean person to them, but I can say a lot of things that I don't have to hesitate. I just say it and they know that I'm, I have it in my heart, like just, I love them. So it's not like they're going to take it personally, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. From the roles and responsibilities point of how exactly you guys are dividing and, and divide and conquering. Um, in regards to the roles, we, um, I do the investor relations for our company now. And then my older brother, Kenneth. Uh, so it's a kind of describe what I do. I'll raise capital from our investors and uh, equity partner and different capital sources. And then once we have the investment in the deal, then I will just do investor relations where I'm keeping track and updating the investors on how the investment's going um, and any other important information that they need to know. I'll, I'll be the one that kind of directs that, that communication. My twin brother does the marketing for us. So he pretty much handles the podcast that we have. We're on multiple different social media platforms as well. So he handles that. Uh, and then he also does the website um, and anything that really needs some type of creative aspect or creative detailing, he'll, he'll do. Uh, my older brother, Kenneth, does the acquisitions and broker relations. So he's the one. He also underwrites. Um, it all goes hand in hand. So he's the one going out to meet brokers. He'll take them out to lunch meet them at their office, uh, get on calls with them. He'll also uh, schedule apartment uh, property tours and goes and walks properties with the broker. Eventually he'll underwrite deals all the way to the point where we submit the offer. And then we're all playing a hand in, in the asset management role. Um, but the way that we really agreed on what and who would play each role was personally, my, my strength is building relationships with people. So it kind of just came naturally to me to, uh, focus on on the investor relations and capital raising side of the business my older brother kenneth likes to actually go out and look at the properties he likes to walk the properties um, and he likes to underwrite it so 
That was his strong suit, and we decided to let him focus on that. And that didn't come without trial and error, of course. Uh, my twin brother actually tried to do uh, the underwriting at first, but it just it wasn't his thing. So eventually we just let my brother Kenneth focus on that. And then my twin brother now with the podcast and all, he's always been someone that's enjoyed writing and he likes being creative. So that kind of comes hand in hand with being on the, the head of the marketing for our team. Um, he's got a lot of skill sets and strengths that we don't have. So that's kind of why he focuses on that. Yeah, got it. And as the investor relation, uh, relations manager or director, so what what is the what typical day look like? Um, yeah, uh, for me, it's I so pretty much like when I clock in, uh, same time typically like nine o'clock. Uh, for me, it's really just being responsive to anyone that I'm talking to. We're always working on deals, so every day I'm, I'm making a lot of calls. To be honest, where I'm updating my investors on something, whether it's the deals that we're working on, the quarterly updates that we'll send them out. I have to make sure those go out uh, as well as making a lot of calls. Typically, I'm going to a lot of networking events in person. So after that, I'm just following up with a lot of people. I keep track of them through my CRM. It's a, like a customer relationship management system, just like a sales pipeline. But I, I treat any potential investor or equity partner. Um, I make sure I keep track of them. And then I just reach out to them and try to build a relationship with them, kind of learn more about what they're looking for, uh, what kind of deals they are doing and what markets and how we could have some type of synergy moving forward uh, if possible. So a lot of what I do, I'd say like the main thing is just talking to people. Um, and now a lot of the times that's me actually dialing people and then giving them a phone call or sending an email or a text. Um, I also get on podcasts and stuff. so like this one. Um, so I'm, I'm a guest on a lot of podcasts, which is really good for the brand because we're going out there and exposing Adonis Investment Group um, and just trying to attract people to learn more about what we do and who we are um, and to see if we could possibly help them in any way. So that's another thing that I do. Um, another thing, typically it's not every day, but I'll go out to events in, in the local area that I live in, or I'm going to a conference or seminar somewhere else like this past weekend, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina at an event. Um, the week before that, we were in Belize um, at another conference. So it's pretty much like relatively, I'd say at least once a month, we're going somewhere. Um, and, and all of that takes a lot of time. Got it. Thank you. And would you share any challenging conversations with the investors? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the, the, the biggest learning lesson so far has been setting proper expectations with your investors. And I've heard this a lot of different times and personally, I agree with it. The biggest and most important thing that investors care about is not the returns. Obviously that matters. Um, it's not the deal, it's not the market. It's these, all these things will play a big role and it does matter. But after they do invest with you, the biggest factor of whether or not an investor will invest with you again, in my opinion, is how the quality of communication that you have with them. Um, they don't wanna, I think like everyone's gonna have bad news to share with an investor at some point. It could be as small as your K-1 tax, uh, tax documents being late or as big as a fire happened at your property or something like that. Um, that's the kind of spectrum. And either way, the communication, in my opinion, needs to be the same. It's got to be very preemptive. So you don't want your investor reaching out to you um, with things that you should have already let them know about. You should be setting that expectation of whatever it is ahead of time. So 
let's say your K1 documents are going to be late or going to be late, um, then you want to make sure you let them know in advance before those are even due. So that way they can expect it. That way they can file for an extension uh, and all of these things. So that way you're not necessarily having to kind of react and you're more so being proactive, if that makes sense. Yeah, got it. Uh, what's your take on current market situation, Jeffrey? Yeah, um, I think this is like a great question. Like I've heard a lot of different opinions on it. For us, um, I, I think it's just about being a little bit more conservative, being a little bit more picky with the deals that you do. I think a lot of people in the past few months, specifically in the years, the past few years, actually, they've been uh, definitely paying a lot of money, more than what we would have paid. Obviously, that's why we haven't bought in as much as uh, we would have liked to. But we were always just trying to pencil deals or make make sure deals penciled out, and um, they always they weren't at the time. So we were definitely being beat on a lot of deals in regards to price. Uh, but now I think with the debt market, as I'm, I'm sure you're aware, uh, the, the Federal Reserve is is hiking and raising interest rates um, pretty extensively and consistently, and we don't know how long it'll last. Uh, but I'm personally the way that we're just kind of approaching things is. Uh, we're being more conservative on what our our loan proceeds will look like from our lenders, which is the way that we came up with that was just simply by talking to our mortgage broker um, who's in touch with different types of lenders and kind of has a pulse on the debt market. Um, obviously, we do too, but that's another great person that you can go to for insight. Um, and we're just being more conservative, meaning if we were expecting to get 70 to 75% LTC on a bridge loan, um, in a certain market, primary market, typically, now we're assuming we're going to get 65, um, maybe maybe pushing 70, but typically we'll just assume we're going to get 65 LTC, which um, the way that that will impact your deal is you'll have to raise more equity, um, as well as just going to make the payment a little bit higher on the cash flow. So deals are now harder to pencil in. Um, so we're going to have to pay less because it just doesn't make sense for us to pay the same price with the, the debt being higher um, or the debt being the, the interest rates being so high. So now we're honestly, I see a lot of sellers are, it's a slow thing. I've heard it's like a, the dust dust is uh, still in the air. And once that settles, we'll kind of see what things are going to look like over the next few months. But right now I think we're in that time period where we're not really sure exactly what's going to happen. I think sellers will soon enough start to realize that they have to be more uh, giving on their asking price and maybe can't expect to get the same price as they were getting a few months ago. So hopefully things start to kind of turn into favor of the buyers. Um, and we have a little bit more leeway uh, because I think for a long time, it's obviously it has been a seller's market, but hopefully we start to see some type of change and shift. Um, and that's where there's going to be a lot of opportunities. So I do think there's definitely, a, uh, this is a, 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 the most important time for you to be more conservative um, to be making sure that you're penciling down and sharpening your pencil, um, making sure that you have experienced teams because how you manage your property right now during this uncertainty in the economy is going to be uh, more important than ever. I'm also understanding the importance of where the interest rates are and where they're going to go. And there could possibly, the you know, people are buying rate caps and those are obviously getting more and more expensive. So understanding um, how how you can possibly whether or not you want to do a bridge debt um, with this current uh, uncertainty or possibly looking at longer term debt uh, with a fixed rate um, that's something that is is a better option for a lot of people but as long as you have an experienced sponsorship team in my opinion and have people on your team that 
have gone through situations like this before, and that's going to make things a lot more smooth sailing for you, um, definitely moving forward. Got it. Uh, thank you. So what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Jeffrey? Yeah, so we focus on 100 plus unit apartment complexes in uh, North Carolina, which is where I live. I live in Durham. Um, we look in Georgia and Florida, uh, BC class properties. Um, and that's, that's the main focus, multifamily uh, at the time. And um, yeah. Got it. Got it. And uh, share me any personal habits that are helping you to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot actually. Um, and I've taken, it's taken me a while to actually come up with this routine that I have, but I have like a morning routine and then small daily, like little habits that I have. And the morning routine is uh, I wake up at five, I'll do uh, some yoga, I'll meditate for 10 minutes each and then I'll go to the gym for about an hour to an hour and a half come back take a cold shower and then I journal um, I write down my daily affirmations I write my life goals uh, I write my daily goals and then I journal just my thoughts or what my where my head is at for that day and then I'll go on like a little walk come back lately I've been I start work around 9 9 a.m my time um, and lately I've been my diet has been a thing that I've been also making a habit. So I won't eat until 12 PM my time. And then I'll stop eating at six. Um, I have a certain amount of calories that I like to have it, uh, throughout that time period. But all that one, I think I save so much time not eating breakfast. I know people say that's like the most important uh, meal of the day, but I, I disagree. I think it's just all in your mind. I mean, people, I like to kind of fast called intermediate fasting, I guess, um, where I'm only eating during a certain period of time. Um, also, anytime that I have some like downtime would take a few minutes or let's say the wi-fi goes out or um whatever i'm doing if i have any time at all i'll just i have a book always by me so i'll, I'll read my book um i try to read so i do read 30 minutes a day but other than that throughout the day if i have any free time for like a few extra spare minutes i'll just read my book um and then i try to get to bed by 8 to 9 p.m i'll try to be in bed so i can get at least seven to nine seven to eight hours of sleep um, but yeah and i also just try to make some time throughout my day to go on a nature walk with my dog and really just kind of get away from work because work can be very stressful as I'm sure you can relate. So just making time for yourself and, and yeah, it makes me a lot happier. Got it. And any books that impacted your life and what way? Uh, a book. Was that your question? Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of books to be honest. So um, I'll, I'll, the one I'm reading right now, actually, that I think everyone should read uh, is one by uh, Danielle DiMartino Booth called Fed Up. Um, it's about the Federal Reserve. She used to work at the Federal Reserve, and they're actually the ones that raise rates. Uh, they're the ones that are raising interest rates right now. So I think it's definitely a, a book that's important to read, especially during our times that we're in right now. Um, the best book, the first book I read was Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I recommend everyone read that. Think and Grow Rich is also another great book. Um, I know you might have said just one book, but I have too many to count. So uh, yeah. yeah, no problem. Thank you. And how can listeners can connect with you, Jeffrey? Yeah, so uh, if you want to have access to our uh, playbook that will go over the five mistakes passive investors make, um, you can go to www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash playbook. And you spell Donis, D-O-N-I-S. Um, you can visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com. And then you can check us out on social media, on LinkedIn. I'm Jeffrey, Jeffrey Donis. Our company is Donis Investment Group. 
um, and on all other platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and YouTube, we're Donis Brothers. And then our podcast is The Real Estate Monopoly. Awesome. And uh, thank you very much, Jeffrey. Thank you for adding value to the show. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.